During Advent, I spoke several times about the historic event in Israel's history known as the Babylonian exile. You see, God's people were chosen to be set apart. They, they promised to worship him alone, that he would be their God and they would be his people. But sadly, they let this covenant relationship with God fall apart. Although they were in the land, their hearts were far from God. And so to bring them back to their original identity as his chosen special people, God had to punish them, to chastise them, and the particular means that he chose was to allow them to be conquered and exiled far from the promised land to Babylon. Now, God's punishment ultimately worked because when they were exiled, they realized we've been far from God in our hearts for a long time. And so they turned back to God in their hearts and God then allowed them to return back to their land. That's where we have our first reading today. They've just arrived back in the promised land and Ezra is standing up because the first thing they decide to do when they get back to the Holy Land is to say, we need to go back to the beginning, to the law of God, to rediscover our identity in the law of God. If we keep God's law, then we will rediscover who we are and we will be his chosen people again and we will be worthy to live in the promised land. God's punishment worked. They rediscovered their identity in their founding documents, as it were, in the law of God. I, I like that as a context today to then talk about some, some more difficult things that the Archbishop and Father Mark have asked us to talk about, because this, this week has a, a couple, well, civil law anniversaries, as it were. The first is the holiday celebration of the, the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King. Now, this is a day in which we, of course, celebrate Dr. King and, and all that, that he did. But it is also a day, I think, largely in our political calendar to remind ourselves of the sad reality of racism and slavery in the history of our country, a blight upon the otherwise noble endeavors of this, this country. Like the Israelites who went back to their founding documents to find their identity, in the history of our country, our founding documents proclaim beautiful truths, ideals, that everyone is endowed by God, our creator, with unalienable rights to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. That's written into our Declaration of Independence. It's at the very foundation of our country that at our beginnings, our founding story is that we will not be oppressed by tyrants. We believe in liberty. So we, we threw off the tyrannical rule as we saw it of George III in faraway England because we wanted to be free. We wanted liberty, liberty and justice for all, we say today in our, our Pledge of Allegiance. Beautiful ideals, beautiful words. But of course, we also know that at the same time, as we're saying, liberty, 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 but not for everybody. We believed that it was okay to enslave certain people because we said, well, those black enslaved Africans, 
they're not really people. They're, they're property, so they don't get liberty. Well, much as Israel had to do, we had to suffer much for not living up to the ideals of liberty in our founding documents. We ended up fighting the, the Civil War to counter this notion that we could ever say that some people are not people and merely property. One of the other great anniversaries this week coming up is January 29th. One of my favorite holidays in the calendar, it's Kansas Day. Because January 29th, 1861 is the day that Kansas was admitted to the Union after already much bloodshed because Kansas, in our founding documents, wanted to say that we will not have slavery in our territory and ultimately our state. And the Kansas Constitution admitted on January 29th, 1861, we outlawed slavery in the state of Kansas and were willing to fight and die and bleed for it. Hence, our state got the name Bleeding Kansas at the time because we would be a free state. That was in our founding documents of Kansas. It's part of our story. It's what makes me proud this day to, to be from Kansas. It was worth fighting to establish our identity as a free state. Now, part of the, the more difficult thing that we need to, to talk about now is a recent development in the identity and history of the story, as it were, of Kansas. Because one sad, sad anniversary of this week was actually yesterday. Yesterday was the anniversary of the 1973 Supreme Court of the United States decision, Roe versus Wade. Most people don't understand all the complex legalities under this, but essentially what Roe versus Wade said was to all 50 states, many of which, in fact, most all of them, had laws that tried to protect another interest from our Declaration of Independence, that of life. All 50 states had some laws that regulated abortion in this country. And in 1973, the Supreme Court said, essentially to all 50 states, you can't do that, or at least severely limited the state's ability to do that. That's been the working law of the land since 1973. Thankfully, on the national level, we, we have good reason to hope that in this very session of the Supreme Court, perhaps that Roe versus Wade decision will be overturned. And that will allow the states to once again place limits on abortion. Now, here's the complex part for Kansas. And you might have heard about uh, an initiative that the citizens of Kansas through our legislature have put on the ballot for August 2nd this year. It's called the Value Them Both Amendment. And there are some handouts in your, your pews to get more information about this. But essentially, value them both. It, it refers to value both means a mother and her unborn child. We can make sensible laws that respect and value both of these. Here's why this is important. In Kansas, under Roe versus Wade, this federal law, we have still been able over the, the last 50 years to pass some reasonable restrictions on abortion that Roe versus Wade does allow. Things like saying that a, a, a girl who is under the age of 18 shouldn't be able to be taken to an abortion clinic unknowns to her parents, possibly by a person who assaulted her, 
to have an abortion with no parental knowledge. This allows crimes against women to continue to be perpetrated. Common sense laws like parental notification. The idea that if you're going to have a major medical procedure like abortion that often allows women to be damaged and their lives put in jeopardy, that at least a so-called clinic that does this should meet basic healthcare standards. These are common sense laws that Kansas have passed over the years. We can't do everything, but we can do something. Well, just a couple years ago now, the Kansas Supreme Court, so not the US Supreme Court, the Kansas Supreme Court, said that that, that beautiful constitution of Kansas that we passed in 1861, they said, that that 1861 Constitution of Kansas intended that Kansans could pass no laws to restrict abortion. Not only can you not do something, you can't do anything because the 1861 Constitution, as we read it, as the Kansas Supreme Court, intended that there would be unlimited abortion in the state of Kansas. Now that should sound ridiculous to you because it is. It's intellectually dishonest and spiritually, quite frankly, demonic. But that's the political state. Now, in our system of government, the, the check and balance, if you remember your civics, there's checks and balances on power. The, the check and balance on the Supreme Court, what they say the Constitution says this, ridiculous as that is, our response as citizens of Kansas is then to pass an amendment to our Constitution to essentially say, no, it doesn't. The Kansas Constitution does not say that there needs to be unlimited abortion in Kansas. The value them both amendment says, the people of Kansas get to decide this, not the Supreme Court. So to vote yes on this amendment on August 2nd is, it's not to outlaw abortion in Kansas, although we, we wanna work for that, we hope that one day we would pass a constitutional amendment in Kansas and the United States, just as we did with slavery, to say, no, black people are people. Babies in their mother's wombs are people. We, we hope and we pray that one day we will get there. The value of them both amendment is not that. It does not outlaw abortion in Kansas. It doesn't even change abortion law in Kansas. It simply says that Kansans, through our legislature, are allowed to make laws about abortion that the ones we have passed should be allowed to stand. That's all it says. It says the people of Kansas decide, not the Supreme Court. Everyone, Catholic, non-believers, atheists, everyone who's a, a patriot, who loves the system of balance of power in our government should want this amendment because who wants a small group of unelected people in the Supreme Court to make such an important decision for the people of Kansas? So we need to vote yes on this August 2nd amendment because it's ridiculous to think that the 1861 Constitution had this in mind. My great, great, great grandfather, Lawrence Kennedy, came from Ireland in 1854 to the then territory of Kansas, helped found the city of Leavenworth. He was in those first legislatures in Kansas that passed this Constitution. And I can guarantee you my great, great, great grandfather, Lawrence, would be appalled to think that people are saying it, not even just 1961, people wouldn't have thought that the Kansas Constitution wanted unlimited abortion in Kansas. We just fought a civil war. We were willing to go to battle to say that all people are people. 
What, a, what an insult to the free state founding principles of Kansas to say what our Supreme Court said. So we need to overturn their decision by passing this amendment. It's part of our founding story because documents, our story, like for Israel, it matters. That's what gives us our identity. We are proud Kansans to say we are a free state. But if we don't pass this amendment, we will have the shame of being the abortion capital of the United States. It's really that important. One of the, the images of our, our country, we talk about stories that matter. I was struck this past year when the American forces were, were pulling out of Afghanistan. The Afghan women feared very much for the retaliation that would come when American troops had left. And there are images of, of women holding their, their babies and, and passing them or even sometimes throwing them over barbed wire fences so that American soldiers could catch them and take their babies to safety. I, I would offer you that that is the image of the United States that we want to have around the world. That if, if your baby is in danger and not safe, that the American soldier representing everything that the United States is, it's a safe place. You want America to be in charge of your little baby if there's danger because America is a safe place for babies. America is a safe place for life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. That's the story of America that we want out there. Sadly, there is a competing story. The sad truth is that today with our abortion laws in this country, the only rivals to them that we have are China and North Korea. That is not who we are. That's not what our founding documents say. That's not our identity. We need to do what Ezra and the Israelites did and say, we will be faithful to our founding principles. We will form our identity in the truth of life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. We saw what happened in the Civil War when we forgot that liberty applied to everyone. I can only imagine what will happen if we continue to get the life question wrong. Sadly, this all happens with the consent and complicity and sometimes even participation of Christians. If we wanna look at why our country is how it is, why our states, look at Christians. We are in it. And so I might end by calling us to look at our founding documents. Our identity is rooted in those documents and we, we could hardly do better than our second reading today from St. Paul. He uses the beautiful image of the body and how much we hear that word, the body and the rights to the body and my body. And St. Paul reminds Christians that we are all one body. We are all Christ's body. Through our baptism, we are formed as members of the body of Christ. And he tells us plainly, you can't say to part of the body, you're, you're too weak, we don't want you. Little, little babies, we don't want you, you're an imposition. Old people who are suffering, better to, to help them die now so we can recover their resources for other medical needs. People who are handicapped or disabled, we don't need them because they're not strong enough. We don't, we don't give full liberty to this group or that group. Every time we have tried to exclude somebody to say that some people are not as worthy, that some people are even not people, it has resulted in genocidal disaster. 
Let's return to our founding documents as Christians, our roots, and say we are all in this together as a body is one. So we, though many members, many different parts, we need each other. We can't say to the immigrant, we don't need you. You don't speak our language. You don't fit in. We can't say to minorities that, well, if you could just be more like us, we don't need you. To that Whoever it is, we're all in it together. That's why we have got to get these life liberty questions right. It matters not just for our country, it matters for our eternal salvation as people of God. We've got to get it right. So today, I offer that, that beautiful image of St. Paul to look around and say, where is the body of Christ suffering? Certainly in the homeless, the poor, the immigrants, minorities, people who are just different from others. Little babies, even in their mother's wombs, are in danger. Who do we want to be? What's our identity? I hope that as Christians, we could be people that are known as the early church was, as people who took care of each other. Because the truth is, if we pass the value them both amendment, Kansans will get to decide about abortion law, but passing this amendment will not take care of women who are in a crisis, who are pregnant and don't know what to do. The amendment will not help them. Christians have got to help them. They're part of the body of Christ. No woman should ever be so afraid and so traumatized that she would go to a, an abortion person who wants to kill her child. If that happens, we have failed as the body of Christ to care for those most in need. Passing this amendment will not get diapers and food and care for a single mother who has a, a new child who doesn't know what to do with it. The amendment will not do that. We have to do that. Passing this amendment will not make sure that all people are cared for and loved and valued. It says value them both, but if we're going to value everybody, we have to do that because everyone is part of this body. We often hear the, the phrase, my body, my choice, a perversion of the idea of liberty, the same way owning slaves was a perversion of liberty. My body, my choice. As Christians, that is not true. We know that all of us are the body of Christ. And we do have a choice. How will we care for the body of Christ? So to flip the, the phrase a little bit around, our identity, our founding principles as Christians, not my body, my choice. It's Christ's body, his body. And yes, it is our choice.